Welcome to the Sozo Church Podcast. Our desire is to see every person know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Enjoy. We're going to chat for a little bit longer today on this conversation about relationships. I don't know if you've been enjoying it, but I really have been enjoying it. I know week one, we talked about authentic community. Uh, Dan Terry, he shared a bit. Then last week, we talked a little bit about pre-marriage, dating, touched on marriage a little bit. It was really just a series of questions that some of you guys have asked us, and so we just responded. We don't do Q&A here. We do Q&R. We we do question and response because we don't have all the answers because we're not experts. Now, we do look to God's Word because we do believe God's Word Uh, has a lot to say about our relationships, and it is the the ultimate authority in our life for every area of our life. And so we we do that, and we did that last week. But today, rather than just uh, having a dialogue between Jennifer and I answering questions, um, we wanted to talk about something that uh, really we got some feedback from last week. And I think that one of the areas where people really are are, are dealing with things are in the area of, uh, of conflict with their relationships. And so today, regardless if you're married, if you're single, if you're single again, if you're widowed, if you're uh, it doesn't matter. Like if you're scoping and hoping, celibate, if you're none, like it, whatever you are today, I, I, I intentionally wrote this message so that all of us could get something out of it, no matter where you're at. There's principles that I'm going to share that really, they're from God's word. And I think they're going to help you in every relationship, married relationship, dating relationship, engaged relationship, your relationship with the people you work with, your relationship with your boss, your relationship with your parents. Everyone can get something out of this. Um, and so we're going to talk about about conflict. But let me give you this one little thing. I wrote this down because I think this is a great, really a great thesis statement really for this entire collection. Relationships only work when we let the one who designed them define them. Listen to me. Relationships only work when we let the one who designed them, that is God, define them. And I've read this scripture this week in my, in my uh, my devotional time with God, and I really liked it. I really was encouraged by it. Philippians chapter 2 says this, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. It says have the same mind. Listen, listen, say this to the person next to you. Say, uh, you need to check up from the neck up. Tell them that. Tell them, you need to check up from the neck up. You got to get your mind right. This is what this scripture is telling us. The problem, the reason why many of our relationships have derailed all from God's path is because we, we, a lot of times we, our mindset is the same as the mindset of the world we live in and the culture we live in and the things that we are watching and the things that we're reading. But the Bible says we need to get God's mind. We need to get the mind of Christ in us. It goes on in Philippians 2 and it talks about the self-sacrificing, selfless love of Jesus. How though he was God, he did not cling to his rights as God. There was not entitlement, but he gave up his rights. He humbled himself like a servant and he laid down his life on the cross for who? For his church, for his bride. And when we get that type of mindset, I think our relationships, they can flourish. So today, we're going to look at God's word. We're going to get our mind right as we talk about fighting fair. Write that down. This is the, this is the title today, fighting fair. We're going to talk about fighting, fighting, um, conflict. This is not just conflict resolution. Uh, we're going after restoration. We're going after what God uh, has for us in our, our, our marriage. But let me, let, me, let me give you this. There's two little ground rules I wrote down in my notes. Uh, you have to hear this sermon. Listen to me. Listen to me. You have to hear this sermon through these two pieces of really this kind of the filter. Number one is this sermon is for me, not her or not him. Okay, say it. Say this is for me. 
So you, you have to hear a message like this. Like, you cannot be sitting next to your significant other, like, elbowing them whenever I say things. Okay? You got to hear this for you. This is for you. This is not for her. This is not for him. This is for you. And the second thing is you got to hear it like this. It's from this day forward. Meaning, meaning that if, if there's been some, some really unhealthy arguments and fighting and stuff in your past, maybe even on the way to church today, if there, it's from this moment, this day forward. Somebody's laughing and wanting to say amen right there. I remember I ride to church with my parents. My dad was a pastor. I ride to church with my parents, and my parents would get in a fight on the way to church. And then my dad would like he'd just like swinging at me from behind, trying to drive. You know, that was our church, dysfunctional. Okay, or that was our family, dysfunctional, and the church too. But uh, <clears throat> but but I know how it is. Like you you can fight, and so you got to hear this for you, and you got to hear this from this day moving forward, and I believe that uh, God's going to speak to you today. Uh, let me ask this by a show of hands. Any, and I don't want to single anybody out if you're single, um, but if, if you're married here today, I want you just to, to raise your hand. If you're married today, if you're married today, that's good, that's good. Uh, now, put your hand down. Um, <clears throat> I'm not going to say if you're single, but um, raise your hand, but the rest of you, you saw by process of logical deduction um, that there are, there are single people in the room, so if you're scoping and hoping, this is your, this is like, just take a good look. One more time, married people, raise your hand one more time, married people. Don't want to sing out any single people, but married people would have the hands raised, single people, just take a good look. These are your options. This is what we're working with, okay? <clears throat> this is what we're working with. So, all right, we're talking about fighting. Um, I got, I got to tell you that Jennifer and I, we, we have, uh, we've been into some, some heated conversations before in our marriage. We've been married now for 13 glorious years. Uh, glorious. Um, and uh, May will be 14. But I remember um, years ago, years ago, uh, this was a fight. This was the one that kind of went down in the books as like the fight. You know, every married couple has like that one. Uh, if, you're, if you're really jacked up, then maybe you have a lot. But we had like this one. Now, we've had many fights, but this was the fight, the one that like we, we talk about still. We laugh about now, but we weren't laughing about it then. Um, our, our oldest son, Liam, he was, I don't know, he was a few years old. And um, Jennifer and I, I don't even remember what we got in an argument about, but we got in some kind of argument. And uh, somewhere I, I said some things to her. And she didn't really receive it as encouragement. And, uh, and, and, and she said some things. About, and then it just gets heated. And we're saying things like, you always are like this. You're just like your father. You're, you know, it's a, one of those moments. And our son walks into the living room. And my wife, she used to always eat some yogurt at, right before she went to bed. She'd eat a little yogurt. Her mom, she's just like her mom, right? Shouldn't say that. But she's eating her yogurt, and she's about to go into our master bedroom. Our son's coming down the stairs, and I'm by the couch. And I said something. Don't remember what it was. Probably wasn't godly. I said something. And listen, she took that whole thing of yogurt ah, and just threw it at me. And I, I, like, dove, and it hit the couch, yogurt all over our living room and the couch. And she stormed off. My eyes are this big. And Liam's just looking at me. He's like, you know, and still to this day, like he's nine years old. This was when he was like three, four years old or something. And still to this day, every, it gives me such joy. Every once in a while, he'll say, hey, mom, you remember that time you threw that yogurt at dad? I'm just like, yes. Oh, man, that was our fight. That was, I, I, again, I don't even remember what it was about, but we, we did not know how to fight fair. Um, and, and, you know, we pastors. 
um, teaching people, you know, how to do relationships and all this stuff and having moments like this and conversations like this with, with church and church people and stuff. But at home, um, we, we weren't really practicing what we were preaching. And how many know it's good when the pastor smokes what he's selling? Like, that's just the truth, okay? <clears throat> and anyway, I'm just trying to preach where you live, you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> and, and so we, we figured out that, hey, if our relationship is going to work, if our marriage is going to work, we've got to figure out how to have conflict because it's just a part of relationships. Write this down. Everyone fights, but not everybody fights fair. Every married couple fights. Can I get an amen from the married people? We all fight. Like, you're going to get into arguments because they're different. They're not bad, but they're different from you. So there will be friction. There will be tension. There will be arguments. Uh, Your personality profiles are completely different. And you live with this person. Like, they're going to squeeze the toothpaste in the middle, okay? They're going to put the toilet paper the backwards way. It's just going to happen. They're going to leave the cabinet doors open. And it's going to drive you crazy. And you're going to fight. You're going to argue. You're going to have conflict. But listen, unhealthy people... They fight dirty. Unhealthy relationships fight dirty. And we're going to talk about it in just a little bit. But healthy couples, healthy marriages, healthy relationships, they know how to fight clean. I, I think that unhealthy marriages, they fight for victory. They want to win. They want to win the argument. They want to be right. They're fighting to be right and to be heard. I want to be right. I want to have the last word. But healthy couples, they don't fight to be right. They fight to be restored. They fight for restoration. They, they, they fight so that we can win together. You know that you can win an argument and lose a marriage. You can win an argument. You can win some battle that you're going toe-to-toe, and you can lose the relationship. You can damage the relationship. Um, So everyone fights, but not everybody fights fair. It's not if people fight. It's when they're going to fight and how they should fight. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. But let me read you a couple of these scriptures. I love this. Proverbs 27. This is so fitting coming out of this, uh, being in this rainy season. It says this, Proverbs 27, 15. It says, a quarrelsome wife is as annoying as constant dripping on a rainy day. Another translation says it's like, it's like the dripping of a faucet. It's just like, it, just, it never stops. Just annoying, driving you crazy. Here's another one. Second Jason 1.7. It is better to have severe hemorrhoids than to live with a husband who is a jerk. Can I get a good amen from all the ladies? It's a great scripture. Guys, that's not in the Bible. My name is Jason. There's no Jason in the Bible, okay? But here's what I want to do. I want to just, I want to be so practical with you. Like, this is not hype. This is help. I want to help you. 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 Uh, I want to give you just this one, one or two verses right here. They literally, they come up in my mind all the time. And sometimes I apply them. And when I do, it really helps my marriage. It helps my friendships. It helps my relationships with everybody whenever I apply it. When I don't apply it, I've seen the deconstruction and the breakdown um, of, of my relationships whenever I do the converse of it. It is a principle and a truth in these two verses that if you'll catch it, it's so practical. If you'll catch it, it could literally, it could transform your relationships. If you'll just get this one thing. It's amazing. I had someone that complained that I don't do enough deep enough teaching. What I have found is there's, if you would just get in the shallow end of scripture and just actually apply it, you would be amazed at how deep your relationships would go. A lot of people are looking for new revelations and they can't even be obedient to the last little thing that God spoke to them. And so for me, I'm not trying to impress anybody. I don't want to impress anybody. I want you to be impacted by the simplicity of this truth right here. It is so good if you'll just get it. James chapter one, here's what it is. 
First, it says everyone. This means that this applies to everyone. Single, single again, widowed, divorced, married. Everyone can put this to practice. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man, and when it says man, it means humankind, right? Mankind. For man's anger. So ladies, you're not off the hook. For man's anger does not, look, it does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. It does not, it, like you, you, you cannot live the life God intends for you to live if you let your anger control you and you're led by your emotions and you're quick to speak, you're slow to listen and you do the converse, it will destroy your relationship. It is impossible. It is impossible to have a godly relationship without applying this principle here. So these are God's rules for fighting, and I just want to break it down. Just write what the text says, and it's for everyone. The first one, write this down, is we have to, if we're going to fight fair, we have to stop to listen carefully. We have to stop. Look what it says in verse 19. Everyone should be quick to listen. Have you ever noticed you have two ears and one mouth? Maybe it's that God wants us to, to listen twice as much as we speak. He says, you got to be quick to listen. But why is it that most of us, we're quick to speak. We're quick to air our opinion. We're quick to give our perspective. We're quick to tell you what you've done wrong. We're quick to tell you how you said this wrong or how you did this wrong. We're quick to argue our point. We're quick to position and to posture and to get up in front of someone and tell them why they're wrong and why they messed this thing up. And, 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 and here's what he says. You just need to be quick to listen. I love what Proverbs chapter 18 says. It says, fools have no interest in understanding. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. He says, this is fools like they don't even have a desire to understand the other person's perspective and what they're, they're going through and what they're dealing with and, and how they're feeling. They don't, even want, they don't even care about it. They're just quick to like say, this is, this is my opinion about this. This is what you did wrong. This is why I'm mad at you. This is why I'm angry. But I think the converse is true. Wise people seek understanding. Uh, we said this last week when we were talking about, um, uh, about communication. Communication is not talking and listening. Communication is understanding. It's seeking to understand the other person. It's seeking to understand their perspective, to understand their feelings attached to whatever that core issue is that you're trying to, to talk about. Um, I, I think about this, that Jennifer and I, we, we find this even still today. There are moments where I'm trying to talk to her and she may be on her phone. And I'll just shut down or, or our kids may be, you know, running around and they're nonstop eating. Our kids eat so much food and they're always, mom, I'm hungry. Mom, I'm hungry. Like they eat, they get up from the table, they go, mom, I'm hungry. And so our kids are nonstop, nonstop. And so that can easily distract her. And then I shut down. I get mad because why? Because I feel like she's not listening or she'll be talking to me and she's like trying to have a serious conversation with me. And I'm on my phone on Slack or on Instagram or on Facebook, which, by the way, you may need to like some of you like this could revolutionize your marriage if you just get off of social media for like a 21 day detox and see what that does to your marriage. But I'm telling you, there's been times like she's trying to talk to me. We were at Disney last week and her and the kids are trying to talk to me. And I'm just like I, I looked at, you know, you can check the stats on what is it called where you can check how much you're on your phone now. There's like a deal on, on, on your iPhone. And I looked and like at Disney, I was on my phone so much and I was looking at social media. What's impossible to truly listen and to understand when you're distracted with things like this. But this happens in our marriage. And what here's what it does. When you don't seek to listen, to, to understand, to lean in, what it does is you're communicating disrespect. That's really what it is. Why do you get so mad when you're talking to somebody? It doesn't matter who they are and they're not listening to you. Why? Because you feel disrespected. 
This person's not listening to me. I'm telling you, this is one of the ways that the enemy will destroy a relationship when we don't seek to listen and lean in in those moments. Now, let me give you something very practical. Whenever you have a conversation when there's offense, I just say Jennifer and I, we, we, we have a, a lovely heated conversation, okay? We're about to fight, okay? Um, I didn't take out the trash. It's Wednesday morning. That's when the trash comes. She told me Tuesday night I need to take out the trash. And so now she's going to have a conversation with me. And, and so when she comes to me, and rather than me, I know, I know, I know, and me quick to speak, I should be quick to listen, listen to what she says. And, and then she tells me what the problem is. And here's what I want to encourage you. This is what you should do. You should, and I don't always do this, okay? Matter of fact, as I'm saying this, I'm like, I need to do this more. But you should listen to what the, the, the complaint is, and you should listen be, like, to the full thing. Don't interrupt. Like, don't, don't like, but, 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 just, just listen. Just hold your tongue. And then after it's done, this is what you need to do. You need to repeat back to the person what they're saying. So, so here's what I'm hearing you say, Jennifer. Whenever, whenever, whenever um, you, you told me last night to do this and I didn't do it. And then you need to also identify how it made them feel. And you need to say this. You need to say, whenever I didn't take out the trash this morning or last night, here's what I'm hearing you say. It made you feel like, I'm, like you do all the work around here and I don't, I'm not helping you. That's how it made you feel. So what are you doing? You're identifying what happened, but you're also identifying how it made them feel. Because a lot of times people just want you to validate how they feel. Now, you can, you can repeat something back and say, this is how it made you feel. And then that doesn't mean you necessarily agree with the issue, but you can at least validate, like, this is how you feel. That's your, per, per, that's your perception of this whole thing, because a person's perception is their reality. And what you can say is this, even if, it, even if you have a, a great argument, you can say, so when I didn't take the trash out, here's what I'm hearing you say. It made you feel like you do everything around here. Is that correct? Yeah. Hey, I just want to tell you this. I am so sorry. That's not my intention. That was never my heart. Can you see how disarming that would be? Here's how that could go. As soon as she starts to say, you didn't take the trash out. Listen, guys, I took the trash out this week, by the way. I just want to let everybody know. But you could easily, if you just quickly, then it could just, it, it just escalates. It escalates and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But if we will seek to listen carefully and seek to understand, I'm telling you, God will do something. He will, he will use even heated moments like that to make your marriage better. He can use conflict to make your marriage stronger. As the Bible says that God can take what the enemy means to harm us and he can use it for our good. So even things like this in our marriage, little small conflict, God can use even these things to make our marriage stronger. Amen. Um, let me, let me, let me, uh, let me move to the second one right here. I love this. Uh, guard your words faithfully. So you don't, don't not only like listen carefully, but you need to guard your words. You need to, you need to watch your mouth. I, I love uh, what it says over in Proverbs 21. Watch your tongue or guard your tongue and keep your mouth shut and you will stay out of trouble. Like how, how much clearer can that be right there? Write this down. Silence cannot be misquoted. She felt a witness on that. I really hope the crowd might got that because on the podcast, sometimes I'll respond to things and like people are like, wait, what do they say? In case you're listening podcast, she just said, ooh, dang. <laughs> it's so good. I'm telling you, we watch more Netflix than we do the words that come out of our mouth. We have to guard our, your, listen to me, your words carry more weight than what you think. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in the tongue, in the words that you say, you can literally, you can produce life or death in your marriage, in your relationships by the words that come off your lips. 
Some of you in here, your relationships, you, you're wondering, like, why, are, why are all my relationships kind of breaking down? It could be linked to your tongue. It could be linked to the words that you're speaking to them or behind their back. We've, we need to watch our, our tongue. Um, two questions you need to ask when you're in conflict, when you're fighting. These are really good, okay? Two questions you need to ask yourself before you say something. Should this be said? And the second one is, should this be said now? There's some things that just should never be said, like you're just like your mother. You, you should never say that. You, you just should, there's some things that you should never say, like you're psycho. Don't say that, right? <laughs> that, that should never be said. That's, you're speaking death. You're, you're, you're tearing down. You're not building up. I, I want to say this to, to the husbands in the house, the men in the house. Ephesians chapter 5 is beautiful in the message translation. It says that your words, men, should evoke her beauty. Your words should draw the best out of your wife, not the worst. My words should edify and build up and fortify the strength of my bride. It should put splendor on her face, not sadness. And there's been times when my words have put sadness on Jennifer's face and robbed her of her splendor. Men, be intentional with your words. Don't just, don't just, don't just, listen, don't just celebrate what your wife does, affirm who she is. I struggle at this at times. Sometimes I just want to celebrate, like my kids and I, like, it's funny, we wrote Valentine's cards to Jennifer this week, and the kids, both of them, you know, both of them said, Mom, uh, happy, or I almost said Happy Mother's Day, Happy Valentine's Day, I love you so much, thank you for cooking for us all the time, right? And that means a lot to her in, her, in their simplicity. They love it, and she loves to cook. It's one of her love languages. My love language is to eat. Hers is to cook. We're so compatible. <clears throat> but, but one of the things you need to watch is don't just celebrate what your spouse or what you, that person, or even, not just your spouse, the people at your work, don't just celebrate what they do. Affirm who they are. Affirm the person that they are. You know, it's like this. It's, it, here's the difference. Celebrating what Jennifer does is, uh, babe, I'm so, I'm so grateful that you're always cooking. That's like you always cook great food. Like that's still, it sounds even a little bit better. Babe, you cook the best food. That's still sell. Now that's fine, but it has to go a, a level deeper than that and affirm, hey, stop, look them in the eye and say, you know what I love about you? And, and you don't say, I, like it would be so, you know what I love about you? That you cook. No. You know what I, <laughs> why? You know what I love about you? I love how God's put this, gift of hospitality on the inside of you. And you have such a grace and such a gift to create an environment for people to have genuine connection. And you do that, like through the cooking and through the hosting and all those things. A lot of times we're having conversations and, and you're over there in the kitchen and you're serving us because it comes out of a hospitable spirit and a servant's heart. So you're affirming who the, who the person is. I don't do this well. I receive words of affirmation. I'm like, stop talking about me Tell me more. Tell me more. You know, stop, stop. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. You know, I don't, a lot of times I, like, I'd rather buy you a gift than, than just affirm you with my words, but it's powerful. It's so powerful. The people around us, they need to hear, I love you. They need to hear how special they are. They need to hear, but, but, but you got to work on your words. Watch your words. Now, let me give you some really practical things about this. So should it be said now? Should it be said now? Um, but there's some things that you need to, you need to work on in your marriage and that need to be said, but they just don't need to be said in the moment, okay? There's things that, that, that like, in the moment when fight, when the, when the conflict starts, you don't need to say things like, I wish you would do this, or, or you never do this. You don't need, that's not the moment to do it. Like, that is just like, shots fired. That is like, you're going to jack up the relationship even more. 
But there are things that do need to be said. They just may not be, need to be said in that moment. For instance, like you may need to tell your spouse, um, like one, remember we did the homework last week about the three things that you need. There are three things I need from you. If you weren't here, go listen to it. We said this. We made every married couple and every dating couple write down the three things that I need from you or I need more from you. And we said to have the conversation. How many of you, you in here, you had the conversation? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Okay, just a few of you. The rest of you, you have one more week to do your homework. Okay, if you don't, you're going to the principal's office. Okay, we are at a school. Okay, so, so you need to do it. But here's the thing. One of the things that Jennifer told me was this, and she's, she's okay with me saying this, is phys- she, she needs physical touch. And I was like, yes, you know. She's like, not that kind of physical touch, homie. Physical touch that does not, you know, convert to sex, right? She, and so, so she's, one of her love languages is physical touch. And her mom would always rub her back and put her hand on her knee and stuff like that. And so for me, I'm like, I could literally sit in church the whole time and just sit like this and never put my arm around her. Like, I just don't even think about it. I just don't think about it. I don't. And, and, and so, but a simple arm around her is like, she's like, ooh, hey, you know. And, and or, or me put, rub her back or, or put my hand on her, her, her leg or something. Like, now we're at the point where she's like, he's, he's trying really hard. Like, he's, he's. Bless his heart, you know. He's got his hand on my knee, you know. She just, she'll just pat it like, oh, he's doing so good, you know. Right? But you know what? So she's saying, I, physical touch does not result in, in intimacy. Let that be the intimacy, right? That's what she's saying. But if we're in the middle of a fight and she says, now that, I need to hear that. But if we're in the middle of a fight and she goes, you know what I need from you and I never get from you. You never touch me. Like, that would not be good in that moment, right? I'm about to touch you. No, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> the, other day, the other day, we got in a great fight. She came crawling in on her hands. And she said, get out from under that bed and fight me like a real man. I'm kidding, guys. That didn't happen. <laughs> wouldn't that be amazing? I'm joking. Some of you are like, this is too close to home. That really actually happened at our house this week. Uh, some things need to be said, but, but they may not be, need to be said right now. Now, I'm going to help you with something else. If... For some of you, the conversation of writing down the three things, this is what I need, this is what I need more of, was tough for you. I'm going to rephrase it for some of you that need it a little bit more sweet, sugary, and palatable, okay? Um, here's a great conversation you could have with your significant other. Rather than asking, like, the, communicating the three things, you could say this. You could ask that person the question. I could say, Jennifer, um, what's two or three things that I do for you, to you, with you, whatever, that really blesses you? That, like, really, like, you love it. Like, it does something for you, the love tank. Right? What are, th- what are two or three things I do? And she could tell me, I may not even know that I do some of those things. She may be like, when you wash the dishes and you put them up, or when you fold the towels. It, it could be any of those things. And I need to take note of those things. But then you could ask this question, what's two or three things that I could do that would really bless you, that maybe are off the radar? What are th- and then in that, she could say, I really, it would really bless me if every once in a while at church, you just put your arm around me. It really blessed me. If you, you see what I'm saying? I just want to encourage you. There's some things that need to be said, but that may not be, need to be said in the middle of a fight. But they need to be said. Because if you don't work on your marriage, it's not going to get better. If you don't work on your relationship, it's not going to get better. There's things that need to be said, but maybe not in the middle of the moment. Now, here's some things that do not need to be said. When you get in a fight, write all these down. They're going to put it on the screen or take a picture of it. When you get in a fight, here's things you don't need to say. Never call names. Okay? Never do that. I know this is like, Jason, this is so rudimentary. I bet if I were to plant a mic in some of your houses and play it over the, you would be embarrassed, okay? All of us, there are times whenever we say things. Now, you may not be like dropping, you know, F-bombs on your spouse. Maybe, maybe you are. You may say things like, you're just like your father. 
You know, you may, those are name calls. Those are labels you're putting on people. Put the label of you're beautiful, you're awesome, you're amazing. Put those labels on your spouse. But never call names. Never raise your voice. Now, some of you, you're, you may be like, you know, I'm like, obviously, I'm, I'm pasty white. I'm white, 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 white as can be, okay? But I know there's some cultures that just like, people just talk loud. Like, I know, I have friends. I, I, I grew up, and one of my best friends, Roberto Egger, Nicaraguan. His parents, when they talk, I, they were speaking, what do you speak in Nicaragua? Do you speak Portuguese? I don't know. Whatever. Spanish, okay. I don't even know. I'm, so, I'm a pastor, guys, okay? I'm a pastor. I don't work for the UN or wherever that would be. I'm not a teacher. <clears throat> Failed Spanish. Yo quiero se como tu. That's all I got, okay? <clears throat> they would get in, I, I would, my life would, I would be so afraid at Roberto's house. I'm like, oh my gosh, I think his mom's going to kill his dad. And they were just talking about what they're having for dinner. It, like it was, they were not mad at each other. They were just like, you know, they would just raise their voice. That's not what I'm talking about. I know there's some cultures like that, okay, that just talk really loud. But don't raise your voice. I'm going to speak to the, to, the, to the fellows first. Don't raise your voice to your wife, especially if you have kids. You are, you are sanctioning that in your kids, and they're going to think it's okay whenever they get married. Don't raise your voice. Don't, you don't have to, you don't have to, decibels don't have to go up to get your point across. I'll never forget, I was listening to somebody, um, I was at this prayer meeting one time, and this, this minister got up and prayed, and they were yelling while they were praying. Now, I'm a loud person, but they were yelling. I got in the car, and I told my pastor, I was like, man, that woman was powerful. And he said this, never confuse power and authority with decibels. Listen, now that's about prayer, but I just want to tell you, you don't, have to, you don't have to raise your voice to get your point across. Sometimes, sometimes your silence can actually get your point across really well. Don't yell. Don't scream. Don't raise your voice. It's unacceptable. Never get historical. Here's what I mean by that. Don't, don't keep that long tally. And we said this a little bit last week. But don't start talking about things from three years ago. Like you, 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 keep, <laughs> you keep dragging up those... Those skeletons in the closet, man, get rid of that. Some of you have cemeteries in the closet. Stop bringing that stuff up. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about that girl that you used to date. And don't do all that. Don't do it. I'm telling you, it will damage your relationship. Not just those. Don't talk about things that are old. Like you didn't take the trash out three months ago. Don't, don't do it. Don't get historical. Live now from this day forward. Never say never and never say always. Jennifer said that last week. Never say never. Like, don't say, you never take out the trash, or you always are late. Don't do that. Never threaten with divorce. I want to camp out on this one for a moment. Never use the D word when you're fighting. Just cut that out of the dictionary. Like, divorce, don't even let that be an option. Don't threaten that. You know what? Maybe it's, maybe it's better. Maybe you don't, not just cut out divorce. Cut out the phrase, like, maybe it would be better if we weren't together. You're saying the same thing. Don't say that. You are creating a space for the enemy in your marriage. You need to write this down. Divorce is not an option for me. You know what? People say, well, what about unfaithfulness? What, what about when somebody commits adultery? Yeah, you know, Jesus, he talked about that. And I don't have time to go into the scripture. The religious people were saying, well, when's divorce okay? And Jesus said, well, you know, Moses gave this allowance for when someone's unfaithful. And, he said, and then he says this, but that was never God's intention. Go read it when you get a chance. God never intended for people to divorce. Now, some of you in here, you have walked through divorce. My parents walked through divorce. My brothers walked through divorce. I I know it's hard. Um, I know it's painful. Some of you, you you had someone that was unfaithful to you. And and listen, my heart goes out to you. And some of you just had people leave you or abandon you. Or maybe you were unfaithful. Listen, God 
can heal the brokenhearted. He can restore and redeem all things. I've watched it. My brother's now a pastor on staff, remarried to a beautiful, beautiful woman, Jennifer's best friend. They have a blended family, and God is using their family as a testimony to other people how God can help you and heal you when you've walked through divorce. Listen, so I, I, I want you to hear me. I'm not, I don't want to beat you up, but the Bible is clear that God hates divorce. You know why he hates divorce? Go read it when you get a chance. Because of what it does to the person, it shreds their soul. When a husband leaves his wife, it crushes his wife's spirit. When a wife leaves her husband, it can, it can totally destroy you. And God hates it. You know why God hates divorce? Because he loves people. And he knows what divorce does to people. But listen, I want to encourage you. Never use that word divorce when you're fighting. Never, never talk about, well, maybe it would be better if you were with somebody else. Don't use language like that. Uh, here's the last one. Never quote your pastor during a fight. <laughs> Seriously, you know, Pastor Jason said, no, don't say that. You got yourself into this, you get yourself out of it. Don't put me into this. Pastor Jennifer and Jason, you remember when they did that talk? You just did it, you know, so don't do that. Here's the last one. Handle your anger righteously. Handle your, is this helping anybody? Okay, good. Handle your anger righteously. James 1 says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. How do you slow down your anger? He says slow to become. How do you do that? Like, well, practically, how do you slow down your anger? He says be slow to get angry. Here's what I think he really means. I think he means this. Don't get, don't get angry. Don't get so angry so easy. Like, don't get, don't, not everything is worth the fight. I, I, I grew up in the South, as most of you know. I went to a Southern Baptist seminary. I'm not Baptist, but I went to a Southern Baptist seminary. There was an old Southern preacher that taught one of my classes. And I remember him talking about conflict. And he said this phrase, this is so country. He said, a pit bull, that's a dog. A pit bull can whip a skunk, but sometimes it's not worth the stink. Does that make sense? A pit bull can whip a skunk, but sometimes it's not worth the stink. So he looked at me and he said, Jason, and we were talking about marriage. He goes, Jason, there's sometimes you could, you could win a fight with your wife, but it's not worth the stink. That it's gonna cause the rest of your marriage. It's just not worth it. It's some, some fights are just not worth getting in a fight about. Don't be so angry so easy. Don't do that. Don't, don't, don't let everything get you crazy. Like when she leaves the cabinet door open. <laughs> don't let it get, just shut the cabinet door. When she turns the lights off while you're in the garage working. <laughs> yesterday, don't get so angry. It's just not worth it. Like, it's some, things, some things are just not worth it. Like, it's just don't get so angry so easy. Look at this. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin. So here's what, here's what this shows us. It's not a sin to be angry, but it's what you do with it. Right? Anger is an emotion. You're going to feel it. You could feel angry, but you don't have to let anger control you or lead you. Just like any other feeling. You don't have to be led by it. He says, uh, don't sin. He says, do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Listen, write this down. If you give the devil a foothold, he'll make it a stronghold. You have to be careful. And what he's saying is this. is like if you are in your marriage and you get into an argument, you get, there's, some, there's some tension, there's some anger, there's some things going on. He says this. You do not need to go to sleep that night until you resolve it. And Jennifer and I, we've gone like five nights without sleep before. <laughs> Kidding. But listen, practically, here's what he's saying. You know those times, now, some of you single people, you, know, you have no clue what I'm about to talk about right here, but all the married people, I'm about to just uncover you right here. You know when you go to bed back to back, 
That is not a position of sleeping. That's a position of fighting. You go to your room. She turns her back, and she's facing the wall. And then you turn your back, and you're facing the wall. And there's a space in between. And you better not touch me with your toes. You keep your toes over there. You keep all, I'm going to put pillows in between. This is a trench I'm digging in the battlefield right here. Do not touch me. Don't talk to me. Or nothing. And then you have huffers, and you have silent people. Right? Silent people, they just go silent. They don't say, it's like crickets. They won't. And then you have huffers. They're like, I'll be in the bed. I'll be like, I want her to know I'm mad. I'll be like, back to back. I'm like over there. I'm like, I'm going to the bathroom. And I'll throw that cover and I get up. Stomping to the bathroom. It's like huffers. And you got, how many huffers we have in here? You got some huffers when you're mad? You're like, how many silent people, you just get, you just get quiet. you like, stank face, just silent stank face, back to back. Um, Jennifer and I, we, we, made a, we made a commitment. We're not going to go to bed back to back. That night when whenever we threw the yogurt, or she threw the yogurt, <laughs> I remember we lived in a two-story house, and she slept in the bedroom with Liam, and I slept by myself in my bed, back to back, right? There's some people that are in the same bed but it's like they're in opposite rooms, back to back. Make a commitment. When you get in your, you are not going to get in your bed. You're not going to go to sleep until you've had a face-to-face conversation and you've reconciled. And you said, I'm sorry, and I love you, and I don't want this for our marriage. Maybe you may even need to pray together. That may be something really good. Do not go to bed back to back. Now, now here's the thing. I don't want to go to bed face-to-face either. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't trying to stare at you like that's just <laughs> falsely. You breathing hot air all over me. Like, do not do that. Like, eventually, you kiss, make up, and then you can go back to back. But don't be, don't be in my face. That's just weird. You know what I mean? So, but listen, let me, let me just tell you this. I wrote this down because I do think it's serious. That text is very serious. He says, when you do this, when you, when you let your anger control you, and you, you go to bed like this, it says this. It says, you're giving the enemy a foothold. Do you know when you go to bed back to back, now that's figurative, right? When you go to bed back to back and you don't resolve it, literally, you know who you've invited into your bed? The devil. Every time, and imagine if you do that a lot. Imagine if you, 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 we're mad at each other and I ain't talking to her tonight. You do it on Tuesday night and then three months later you do it again on a Friday night. And, then, and, and this becomes a pattern of your marriage. Literally, you're creating a wedge. It's, wedge. it's as if that, that queen size has turned into a king size, and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And the bed is getting larger and larger, and a gap is forming in between you and your spouse. Every time, I would submit to you that every time we do that, we are giving, we are welcoming the enemy to come in and destroy our marriage. So what do we do? We, we make a commitment. We're not going to bed. We're not going to bed, and we're not letting the sun go down until we resolve this conflict between each other. Amen. There's a wide range of people that are in here. There's some of you, you're fighting over socks on the floor. You're fighting over the way that they fold the towels. And some of you, here's what the fight is, is that your spouse lies to you. Or you've caught him in a lie. Or you busted him looking at pornography. Or there's been unfaithfulness. So there's a wide range of people that, that can be in this room. And maybe, maybe you're not dating, you're single right now. One day you're going to get married. Or, or maybe you'll be in a dating relationship and, and you're going to fight. And it'll be some kind of thing that's going to pop up and come up. How do, we, how do we deal with those things? And I'll finish with this last scripture right here. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 through 32. I think if, if, 
You know, when people, when people die, they put on their tombstone, their gravestone, their headstone, something. I think I may put this scripture on my headstone because it's literally, it's helped me so much in my life with every relationship. And, and I want to share it with you. It says Ephesians 4. It says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Listen to this, couples. Don't use foul or abusive language. Like, watch your words. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And look at this. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Do you know that whenever, whenever we're fighting in an unhealthy way, it grieves the Holy Spirit of God? The fight last week where you weren't fighting fair and you said those things to your, to your wife, that grieved God. The way, that you, the way that you have been arguing and back and forth, back and forth and tearing each other down, you, I'm, I want you to feel the weight of this. This isn't to condemn, condemn you, but you do need to know, Paul wanted the Ephesians to know, that grieves the heart of God because he loves you and he loves hurry. He, he loves you guys. He wants your relationship flourishing. He goes on, he says, remember, he, the Holy Spirit, has identified you as his own. See, these are, these are God's goals, God's rules for those that call themselves followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, then you can fight however you want. But for people who have been claimed by God, that's my son, that's my daughter. There's rules of engagement when it comes to the way we, we live with each other. It says, remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Now look at this. I want you to hear this. This is, this is the final verses for you. Get rid of all bitterness. Rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. It says you need to remove that, get that, make a decision. I'm getting that out of our marriage, out of our relationships, out of our lives, out of our friendships. And he says this, instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Listen, here's the, here's the big idea. We have to fight, not to be right, but to be restored and to be reconciled in a spirit of grace. I love what he says here. You need to stop talking to her like that. Stop talking to him like that. Stop beating him down. Stop tearing him down. Just get rid of the anger, the bitterness, the resentment. Get rid of all that. Instead, he goes, here's what I want you to do. I want you to love each other. I want you just to be kind to each other. Be, say kind words to her. Say kind words to him. And then he says this, and I want you to forgive. Just as long as they don't ever do it again, nope. Forgive just as long as you've made them pay for their offense long enough with a silent treatment, nope. He says, forgive just as your heavenly father has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. How is that? Fully, freely, and finally. Never to bring it up again. That's how Jesus forgave you. That's how Jesus forgave me. Listen, you know what Jesus did? Jesus went to the cross and he died he was innocent, and he died a criminal's death, and it was all our fault. It was our sin. And even though he was right and we were wrong, he was willing to sacrifice his life and die so that we may find life and be restored and reconciled to God. Now listen to me. What are those implications in our marriage and our relationships? Is this, is that you and I, even at times when we're right and they're wrong, true love says, I'm willing to die. Just like Jesus, I'm willing to die to 
to my opinion. I'm willing to die to my own flesh. I'm willing to die to my entitlement. I'm willing to lay my life down so that we can be restored and we choose to forgive. Amen. Thanks for listening. Join us each week here on the podcast or live in San Francisco. Keep up with life at Sozo by following at Sozo Church SF on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Have a great day.